Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everybody to the 291st episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. We're powered by APIT.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bits. And joining me today on this podcast adventure, the Thor to my Zeus, my podcast writer, Die, who you can find on them socials at Miss Allie Hart. Miss Allie Hart, how the bloody hell are ya? Doing all right. I'm a little crispy. I got sunburned this week, so I'm on the crispier side. Mm. Is it sort of like you feel a little bit stiffer? Like, you know when you get really badly sunburned and the skin sort of tightens up and you sort of just don't move as you like to normally do? Yes, but I've also gotten that the worst kind, well, one of the worst kinds of sunburn where it's actually bruised. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's fun. Did you get any of those gross, like, like elevated sort of blistery, like almost like no, infection no, no, looking no. burns. No, thank gosh. No, I didn't get that. I, it's just, it's like some of my, some of my body now is a bright red. Um, some of it's purple. Um, and I, I look like I'm wearing like a weird, like skin suit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not pleasant. It's, it's a literal pain, but, um, I, let me just be the constant reminder to society out there that wearing sunscreen is very important. 110%. And, um, you know, if you don't like just wearing traditional sunscreen, just try and find a nice moisturizer that has the sunscreen in it and you can sort of get the best of both worlds because uh, you go look after that skin. You don't want to do. you don't want to be feeling like you're wearing a skin suit like Edgar from uh, Men in Black or you don't want those gross real pustule blister burns that some people get sometimes that just look like you're infected and uh, transmitting some kind of very deadly disease. But uh, let's maybe get off that topic before we start visualizing those big pustule lumps too heavily because they'd be gross, Miss Hart. They'd be Good gross. Good morning to our morning listeners. <laughs> Hopefully eating breakfast while uh, consuming this uh, fantastic infectious-based content. But uh, let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about what we've been doing this week. Miss Hart, did you want to lead us off uh you got a few things on the docket. We can go any which direction you like. Sure. I'm going to like rip the bandaid off and just say I've gone back to Destiny, <gasps> um, but purely because they released a, um emote in relation to their charity. Um, and it's a little um, man's best friend. So it's like a little dog that, you know, can appear and you can stand with. Um, and the story behind that is quite lovely. So um, I do recommend people looking into it. Um, but I got back into Destiny and I just love it when it's been some time since I've played and then I load up the game just trying to do one thing and mm-hmm. then next thing you know, I'm just loaded into some story sequence and I have absolutely no <laughs> idea what's going on. Um, and then I feel bad, especially when they load you in with um, randoms and I'm like, sorry guys, new here. But yeah, it was nice to be back and then it's always, you know, takes that little bite out of you where you're like, I'm like, maybe I should come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, you know, <laughs> watch this space, I guess. Um, and that's about it, apart from a bit of Fortnite, a bit of Fall Guys and dabbling in between, um, but not much else 
in regards to gameplay. Okay. I have ingested some media though. Okay. Okay. I'll quickly throw some some game thoughts and then maybe we can we can share our media consumption from this week as well. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I had a, had a couple little little rumbles on on Fortnite this week. Uh, you know, we, we got a nice nice crown or two. I can't remember if we got we got doubles when we had a bit of a jaunt uh, earlier in the week. I feel but like maybe we did. Yeah, yeah, it felt felt good. But uh, something that sort of felt less good that I uh, decided to tackle this week. Uh, obviously, Wimbledon <laughs> and tennis season is is upon us, and uh, I've been swept up in the uh, the Nick Kyrgios hysteria that uh, seems to follow him everywhere he goes around the world and on the court. And I downloaded Matchpoint Tennis Championships. Uh, okay. It's, it's the new tennis game that came out, developed by Taurus Games. Luckily, it's on Xbox Game, Xbox game Pass, so I didn't shell out any any additional uh, bickies to, to, to purchase this game. But, uh, yeah, like, um, it might surprise some, but I'm a bit of a tennis sim like a tennis game fan like i don't play tennis in real life really yeah but but i'm a bit of a sucker i used to play like top spin why? and anna Kornikova's tennis and all those games back in the day pretty he- i don't know why but i just enjoyed the competitiveness of it and because it is very simple it's just you versus the person on the other side of the court and the strategy that comes from that so i thought you know what let's let's dust off my 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 virtual tennis racket and give uh give this match point tennis championships a go and this is Taurus's first foray into the the tennis sim gaming world and you can kind of mm-hmm. see why it's their first foray. Are you not surprised oh. that it's their first foray? It's a little bit uneven. It's it's really easy to pick up and play like with, with a lot of these sports sims games, you know, there's and especially where there's um, you know hitting involved, the face buttons on the controller, each button accounts for like a uh, like a, a hard hit, a slice, Strength, yeah. a lob, um, you know, and, and things like that. So you can sort of adjust accordingly. And then when you're hitting um, the, the right stick, you can sort of nudge it in, in direction to sort of add some refinement to the, to the shot to sort of uh, try and perfect that. It took me a long while to perfect that little focus area. I was hitting mm-hmm. balls out on the full frequently and often. And um, it was it was a little bit frustrating, but you know what? I'm like, okay, tennis... Tennis pros aren't built in a day. Let's let's give it a crack. And I worked my th- my way through some of the the quick matches, like the exhibition matches. I played a bit of the the career or the story mode, which was very forgettable. Uh, couldn't really get into it much. And I'm no like I'm not up to date with all the who's who in the tennis world, but I know what most of them should look like. And the character <laughs> models oh, no. represented in Match Point Tennis Championships. <laughs> does not really look like the characters that I've seen in real life on my television screen hitting these aces uh, and things. Like like Nick Kyrgios just looks like random NPC number 26 that you've seen in a thousand um, other other games um, in all types of genres. But it's 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 dumb fun. Like it's it's simple but complicated as far as the, 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 I guess you could almost say like the chess match that is a tennis match as far as, you know, trying to counter people's strokes and, and move them certain ways on on the court to then open up other areas to do your thing but mm. it was it was fine it was a good distraction it hasn't been reviewing too well like i've seen most scores sitting around a five or six and i'm like yeah that's that's justified like it's it's a it's a pass but it's like you know it's clipped the net on the way through it's a it's a lucky lucky point to get there like it's not fully deserving of the pass but I've played worse. I've played far better tennis games. Um, 
But this game, it was fine. It distracted I me mean, for a few hours. I mean, it's a very niche really um, <laughs> game to be like, you know, putting out there. So I don't know if by setting the bar that high uh, for a game that would have limited releases and people actually providing that service for gamers to have that experience. Um, I, I I think I have only ever played like two tennis games and one of them is most definitely the Wii Sports one. Um <laughs> So I, I don't I don't know if I'm an expert in that, but I've just always found the tennis games quite boring, frustrating, and I'm sure there is some talent to it. Um, but I definitely did not nail it. The uh, the other one I believe was on like my my Mega Drive. Oh really? It goes back that far. I was going to ask that if you, if you used to play like Top Spin tennis at the arcades. Remember when there was always what? Top no. Spin? Why would you waste your money on that one? <laughs> it was surprisingly fun. I always dropped a couple of dollars or a couple of tokens into the Top Spin, especially because you could play doubles with a friend or, or verse other people. It was always always good fun. But you could always jump on the motorcycle thing and verse your friends. All that stupid horse race. <laughs> oh yeah, God, you, you can't feel cool playing the old horse race game. No, I guess looking back, we all knew we didn't look that cool. No. But um, yeah, there was definitely better games to be dropping <gasps> some pennies on than the tennis game. There, there's then again, we we were all about that damn basketball one. That's true, and and it's a. I still play the the actual basketball game anytime I go to an arcade. Try and get those yeah. get those tickets. But yeah, it's it was okay. Uh, I liked with the um with sort of the the career mode. You can create your own budding tennis superstar so you can try and make it to your okay, likeness yeah. and and elevate them up the tour and try and win the win the win the championships and things i i haven't finished that i maybe put a, two hours or so into the into the my career and it was it was fine but yeah the game just didn't hook me like other tennis games used to like i put a lot of hours into those top spin games and anna kornikova's tennis and even do you remember the uh the table tennis game that rockstar made back in the day no it's great and i finished that thing i i put in you hours. were really looking out for these titles mm-hmm. weren't you yeah there's there's something about hitting round balls with rackets that just uh gets my serotonin uh, going so uh enough yeah. said match point tennis championships <laughs> it was okay if you're a tennis fan you might take a lot more out of it than i did but you know taking taking the the corporate xbox hat off and not trying to sound like too much of a shill it is included in game pass so if you're looking for something different to your usual game rotation it is there there is online multiplayer supported so we could jump on together or you could jump on with your friends and, and verse each other and play as a very nondescript looking nick kyrgios or some other rando tennis player that doesn't look like who they're meant to but yeah match point tennis championships it's it's a time <laughs> just to clarify it was the master system oh it's gone back that super- far 1987 uh super tennis on the Sega cartridge so uh, there you go yeah, that was super my, tennis. Uh, super tennis, deuce, deuce, um, as the guy the guy would say, deuce. I still, I still like you know on a on a tennis related tangent here before we jump into what we've been watching. The <laughs> yeah. scoring system in tennis just still confused me. How it's like goes fifteen, thirty, forty, and then obviously you can win the set. Like, why does it go fifteen, fifteen, ten, and then whatever it takes to win? Like, the numbers make no sense. But anyway. 
I'm not, I'm uh, no at least they expert. do the whole like the, they do the whole match point. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I know that if if that person <laughs> gets the thing, they win. But if the other guy gets the thing, then it goes back to juice. Mm-hmm. Deuce. <laughs> what the <Whatever>. deuce? <laughs> what the deuce? I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Sports hard. Scoring yeah. scoring in tennis is is not a uh, clear journey from point A to point B in my head still. But you know what? Yeah, it's still it's still got maybe three like probably anywhere between three and five hours out of me. I'd say so. Uh, that's pretty good. Good distraction. I went went at it a couple of times this week and on a few nights. So uh, yeah, match point tennis championships available now. Taurus games developed available on Game Pass. So if you're if you're looking for something different than usual. Give it a crack, but uh, let's let's talk about what we've been watching before we jump into the news. What do you reckon? Sure thing. Do you want to lead us off? Uh, sure. Um, so I've watched two specific movies. Um, I'm going to get this one out of the way first because I had no interest in it, but my husband really, really, really wanted to see this movie. So we sat down and watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, <laughs> full disclosure, I didn't watch that cartoon <laughs> at all. Um, so anytime people mention it, I don't really have any fond memories of it. I think I usually get it mixed up with Tailspin. Oh, like yeah. the first thing I think of. Mm. Um, so going into this, I wasn't too sure if I was going to enjoy it or understand any, anything of it, but it actually is a wonderful little snapshot and like nod to our generation and with a lot of references of animations that we grew up with and a few like few kind of risque jokes that are thrown in there and it was it was such a fun watch um and like it's it's directed by Akiva um from The Lonely Island so I think that's probably a good sign as to where the comedy direction goes and obviously um Andy Samberg voices Dale um and then John Mulaney voices Chip so, I mean, you've got two comedic personalities for that are really good at comedic timing and delivery, mm-hmm. um, and they just own these characters. Once again, I don't really have too much of a reference of how these cartoon characters were back in their day, but they, these two actors absolutely sold me on them. And just like all the references, like there is um, original Ugly Sonic from the, the original CG version with the one with the teeth and like they mention it quite a lot and there's all these other like rejected cartoon characters and the whole premise is about like the old cartoons that we grew up with being like kind of like washed up actors okay and like them kind of kind of dealing with it and some some find the success coming with a with a you know revive or being relevant again and then others are you know, they're, they're in trouble, they're borrowing money or, you know. Um, and, yeah, it was such a such a fun watch. So I think anyone that has kids or even if you don't have kids and you just want to, like, have some, like, dumb fun to kind of watch in the movie sense, I definitely think watch, like, Chippendale. There's just a lot of nods in there and a lot of laughs with things that we grew up with. And it was a pretty decent stack of um, voice actors as well, so... I mean, there's the there's all, all the guys from Lonely Island are in there. Um, even like the director Akiva Jorma is in it as well. So the Lonely Island boys are there. There's Will Arnett. Um, there's uh, Seth Rogen, um, Keegan, um, and um, 
Tim Robinson, I think, is a funny person, apparently. Like, I don't know who he is. We'll say, okay. He's got his own show. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's people out there that know who he is. But, um, yeah, it was fun. I, I definitely recommend it for big kids, little kids, and everyone in between. I've heard it's, um, yeah, it's very unlike the traditional ca- the, the cartoon. Like, I remember watching it a little bit as a kid in the 90s, and from what I've seen online, it's it's very meta and, yeah, just leans into... Yeah, a lot of nostalgia and bringing in a lot of franchises that didn't really have a direct attachment to to the Rescue Rangers back in the day. But oh, no, maybe yeah. that's what makes it watchable and kind of funky instead of just another paint by numbers '90s cartoon. So may, maybe I'll give it a spin because it sounds like tonally it's going to be completely different to what I grew up on. Yeah, well, like like gadgets in it and Monterey Jack, like the characters that they also kind of. Um, had in the show they're there as well and it's this whole kind of like investigative like solve the crime and the mystery kind of element which i you know was obviously the theme of how the animated show was so Mm -hmm. um yeah i i recommend it if you've got time just you know give it a watch nice i think you you have a good giggle the the next thing you've watched too i'm very excited to hear about because us in australia (sighs) unless you've got to one of these cheeky advanced screenings have to wait another Two plus weeks to be able to experience damn, this. Damn, damn. Um, yes, uh, a movie that I feel like I've been. I thought I'd been waiting a year for it, but then I kind of like checked around. I might have been only waiting eight months, but it is the Black Phone. Um, it is a horror thriller um, based on a book by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Um, it's a story in it's a small story in a collection of small stories. Um, so it's based off that. And, um, yeah, it's this fascinating horror thriller, like, set in the 70s. Um, the story of a bunch of, like, neighborhood kids going missing to a, a serial killer um, that is front and center of most of the um, marketing material, which is done by Ethan Hawke. You know, lovely, lovely guy, Ethan Hawke who's like dipped his toes um, into bad guy material. Apparently he was also in uh, Moon Knight. Yeah, he was the primary antagonist in, in Moon Knight. He's um he's, he's having a bit of a renaissance, a bit of a resurgence, the yeah. old uh, Ethan Hawke lately. And it's good to see because he's a very, very talented actor. So he should because, um, so I believe it's Scott Derrickson. Um, who did Sinister, Who mm-hmm. I, another movie that I absolutely love, absolutely underrated, which also had Ethan Hawke in it, who was uh, the main character um, kind of being haunted by these, um, you know, found footage films and the horrors that kind of came along with that. And so it's nice to see that he's, you know, returned to the, with the same same director and then said, all right, well, let's, let's put the villain's shoes on and see how we go with that. And he does amazing. He he is able to kind of like juxtapose, ju- like this, like this calmness, the scariness, mm-hmm. this like it, it's a wonderful how how what he does with it, especially wearing this like this mask that's attached to it that like the mask itself feels like a character um overall. Um I wouldn't say it's scary. Okay. There's a few like loud noises that kind of happen, like a few like loud noise jumps. Um so it's for the most part I would say that there is more a thriller element to it. Um and um I just, I did like tonally how it went throughout the, you know, between, 
like the story of the killer and then the the ability to like discover who he is and you know where these children were being held and you know this is the main character is um is this boy who has his sister who has like like almost like a supernatural ability and such and it's it's I like what they did with it I I thought it was very clever and like all the elements that were thrown into it for the final payoff um about the only thing I'm not gonna say it because I don't want it to be too much of a spoiler but I feel like there was just a little bit of a loose end that I'm not used to with most thrillers and it's mostly directed to like the serial killer um but um it didn't it didn't bother me too much so um the kid actors in this movie were brilliant too like I'm always a bit iffy about making child actors the main characters but the main character of Finney done by Mason Thames he was brilliant but his sister um Gwen played by Madeline McGraw she was fantastic she was absolutely brilliant especially being put up against like other amazing actors in this movie she just she really shone um she did so well so to me not scary fantastic thriller um the timepiece in the 70s all the style and the houses and the vehicles and all that and the music that when when there was music to set the tone um brilliant and the sound design for the eeriness fantastic as well um I loved the movie um I I'm so happy that it (laughs) turned out well for something that I was really anticipating and yeah I'm I'm gonna actually read this short story or read the collection of stories as well because it seems like Joe Hill knows knows how to do scary yeah on a different level he um you can certainly see that he's, he's it's he's like he's his father's son as far as some of his writing style and, and the tone that he puts yeah. on page, which is which is a great thing. Um, I'm very excited to watch this film. Still, I've spoken to to yourself about it and heard more about it from you now. And and a, a friend of mine, Sam, up in Sydney, managed to get to one of these early early screeners, and and he he pretty much echoed everything that you were saying there. The the only thing he mentioned too was that he wanted more like either a longer runtime or maybe seeing this like played out in like a TV series could potentially work. Maybe. I I think I know, I understand what he means because like I said, there was, there was this, there was this little thing in there where I'm kind of like, I kind of want a little bit more on that angle. I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to say anything to be spoilerish. Sure. Um, so I think, I think we might be on the same level on the idea of wanting more of something in particular. Um, but in saying that, I'm thinking it was more of an artistic choice to have a focal point more on the main character and, um, yeah, and how he handles the situation. So, um, but I, I could understand that 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 one comment. I can't wait to see it because it's getting reviewed really, really well all around the world, apart from in Australia because it's not available yet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see it and. Yeah, just just the vibe and everything I've seen and heard from about this movie, it feels like I'm going to really enjoy my time. And and even though it doesn't go down the full spooky poo your pants, I still like that. It, it sounds like it's very atmospheric and it's still going to make it's, you it's make unsettling. you a bit creepy. It's, yeah, yeah, unsettling is probably the best way to describe it. I like that. That's that's a great word to use. And uh, yeah, the black phone coming out sadly not this week, but next here in Australia. So we've still got. 
12-ish days to go as we record. So it's it's close, but sadly not close enough. But uh, something that you could watch right now, though, on the big screen if you wanted to here in Australia is obviously Thor, Love and Thunder, which uh, came out this week all around the world. It is the uh, the fourth standalone Thor film, second one handled by Taika Waititi. And you know what? It's pretty heckin' good. Like, there's some divisiveness out there in the reviews. You, you see most mm. of the scores sit anywhere from, let's say, mostly 7 to 8, you'd say, is probably the most consistent scores, or maybe 7 to 7.5. And I'd probably score it around a 7.5 to 8. Like, the enjoyment that I uh, found myself experiencing in this just under two hour runtime, it was great. Like, you know, if you've watched anything that Tyke has done, or if you watch Ragnarok, you know, the tone and the theme and the craziness that he weaves into his, his media. So it's, it's more of that Tyka Tyka flavor. Chris Hemsworth, just, he is so familiar and comfortable in jumping into Thor's shoes these days. Like, it's funny, you go from the first Thor movie where he's straight laced playing the Asgardian God with his, like bleached eyebrows in that first movie if anyone still remembers that too and seeing him go from that to now just this like fleshed out realized flawed big-hearted lovable oaf um yeah it's a great journey to to sort of see where he's gone across all these movies and and chris hemsworth is just having a great time and it's awesome it's fantastic seeing natalie portman back um you know she is she's a goddess and she's just one of the best actors out there and she adds so much weight to this movie tessa thompson is fantastic as as king valkyrie uh you know so two female powerhouses there and then seeing christian bale jump into the superhero world as gore the god butcher Uh, obviously they've changed his his aesthetic ever so slightly because you know gore in the comics he pretty much just looks like voldemort and i don't think they wanted to have two voldemort looking dudes um in two big ips on the screen but the way that they've brought him to screen and the commitment that Christian Bale has to this character, he he really adds eeriness and presence to everything he does on there. And he's just, he's, he's a good antagonist. But the, my biggest takeaway and issue with this movie is, even though it was under two hours, I reckon they could have easily added 20 to 30 minutes worth of extra content in this movie to really flesh out a couple of the stories. that. Don't yeah. wish that. We don't need more time in movies. I, I think we do in this one because like... No. Uh, How long I've, is it? Under two hours. So it's it's like one hour and 19 minutes or something. So like... And, and if you... Like when you watch it, because you said you're going to watch it this weekend. I'm going to watch I, it tomorrow. I reckon yeah. you're going to walk out and go, man, if only we had a little bit more time to to tell more of this person's story or show why they were feeling or motivated in that way to do this thing. Okay, you know what? I'll give you. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because of my previous comments. Yeah, because yeah, um, because Tyke has said that the the first cut of this movie was over four, like it was four hours long. So there's two Jeez. hours of footage out there in the back in the back room somewhere. So take taking a few little slices of that just to add more to Gore's story or uh, you know Jane Foster's story, things like that would have really I think added some additional emotional weight. And also then made the payoff even better. So yeah. that was my biggest gripe. There was there was a few interesting choices there where it felt like 
yeah, we're, we're a couple of minutes short of this dialogue here or what happened just before that that could have like, oh, I get it now, I'm, I'm more invested. But sure. it was fun, it was enjoyable. Uh, the, the soundtrack is probably another point of contention for me. Like like Ragnarok was fantastic where they went heavily into into like rock and metal, especially with an 80s flavour. And they yeah. do more of that again in this now. But it feels like they just paid all the royalties to the to Guns N' Roses because it was just like Guns N' Roses all the time. Like there's a couple That's, of other other tracks, but it was mostly just Axl Rose and Co. Blasting, blasting in my ear holes, and that's fine. That makes, but I'm like, there's so many better songs you could put into here. That actually makes me a little bit sad. Um, based on like you know, we we in the trailer we heard "Sweet Child of Mine," and I'm like, okay, if 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 we're going to explore that that specific genre and timepiece, I'm down. I'm excited. Then to hear that they only explored that artist, um, it's it's a shame. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. Um. So that that is, but that is a consistent. Um, I'm gonna say it's a consistent like negative that a lot of people have kind of pointed out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a bit tough. Uh, seeing Russell Crowe as Zeus, he has so much fun with this role, and I'm not gonna spoil yeah. anything, but like, he's great on screen, and and the the interactions That's he has with Thor that we've seen in all the trailers and things like that. Yeah, it's great, and he's one of the highlights of the film as well. But overall, really, really, really enjoyed it. Ragnarok is better for me as a complete movie. I'd put Ragnarok above this, but I would also not say don't watch this movie. It's great. It's fun. It's more Marvel. It's more of what you love. It's more Thor. Like Chris Hemsworth, brilliant. Him and Natalie Portman on screen. The chemistry, phenomenal. I wish Tessa Thompson got a little bit more screen time, a bit more direction because she's just great as well. She's so magnetic and you know just a star. But overall, Love and Thunder, highly recommended. 8-bit approved. Get it in your eyeballs as soon as you can. Please and thank you. One, one of us watches it and it gets 8-bit approved. Um, <laughs> I'll say 8 approved. You can be the bit or maybe I'll be the bit. <laughs> I'm just a bit. I'll be, I'll be the bit because it's a B because you start with A, I start with B. So it's bit oh, approved. Oh, snap. I never made that connection. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jono. Um, <laughs> um, you can be the approved. I actually have a question and it's like, I don't think it's, I don't think it will spoil anything. And it's just something that's been sitting in the back of my mind ever mm-hmm. since they decided to cast someone like um, Christian Bale. How do they manage um, tonally in this movie when they have such a supreme, serious, well-received actor such as himself playing a character that from my understanding has such a very, um, brutal and truthful um, cause to his, you know, his means that is reflected probably negative across the universe or whatever. Um, how how are they able to set the tones between what is going to be clearly a serious piece mm-hmm. and then the overall, you know, wackity daggity do of like the the thought that we know from the previous? Because um, I feel like in Ragnarok, he, the sister, she had this right element of like sass and like appeal and, you know, kind of like jokery, I guess, because, you know, being in relation. But like, I, I think they were able to handle that between those two, but it does seem like when you put someone like Christian Bale into a role, you are trying to establish a very serious tone. Mm-hmm. Like you really have a strong, serious message that you want to get across. And I just want to know, do they do well balancing between them? I, I think they do. And there is there is a cool like yin and yang between the two characters. Like, yeah, like like Thor is 
very jovial and, and whimsical and things like that, but he does shift shift gears into more straight laced. Okay, there's there's worlds and universes at stake here. I need to to get down to to being the you know the god of thunder and all this stuff. So uh, when when they do have those exchanges on screen, there is a bit of contrast, but I think it works really well and. There's some really cool set pieces where just the cinematography really encapsulates the tone. Like you, you've probably seen okay. it in the trailer where you see like almost like just a grayscale setting in some areas. Wasteland, yeah. Yeah, in, in this shadow land. And the tone in those parts changes and perfectly suits Christian Bale. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching two movies as far as, yeah, the the laugh a minute Thor and then something serious and, and foreboding mm. with, with gore at, at works really well and christian bale he's committed to the role he he shows a little bit of variety and depth as far as that delivery and and the tone like he's he's hurting and he's got a purpose and everything like that but there is still some i don't know if lightheartedness but there is some some different different emotions that he showcases on the screen as well but it's done really well and uh it doesn't feel like you're watching two movies like it's not very jarring It, it somehow manages to weave in um, there. Awesome. But yeah, I okay, just wish cool. there was 20 to 30 minutes more. And I know you said two hours is long <laughs> enough, but I feel you're going to walk out of a going, I, I can at least understand where you're coming from there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll soon find well, maybe, out. Maybe, maybe. And uh, just quickly <laughs> wanted to touch on, not going to spoil anything as well. I watched the season finale for season three of The Boys last night, uh, oh, as, yeah. as has become my Friday evening pizza and wings and boys tradition. Yeah. And boy, howdy, does this show just keep going from strength to strength. Um, it's it's some of the best content on television. It's it's fantastic. I'm, I'm very excited that they've already confirmed that we've got a fourth season on the way. But just seeing this, this sort of universe um, continue to evolve and continue to be relevant. Yes, it's hyper-violent and you see some stuff on the screen that's pretty shocking, but all these other layers they've managed to sort of put on top of one another as far as the emotional stakes and the storytelling and the references to things that are happening in our real world and mm. the the comparisons to certain situations that we're all living through at the moment. It's it's really, really smartly done. Like Eric Kripke, who, who develops and, and, and sort of is the showrunner for The Boys, has done phenomenal with it. The cast is great. Carl Urban is fantastic as Butcher. Um, and then sort of jumping to the other side of things, uh, you know, seeing Jensen Ackles joining the show, obviously from Supernatural fame, joining the show here as Soldier Boy. He adds adds a great amount of weight and like relevance to that character. But then um, Anthony Starr, New Zealand born, fantastic dude who obviously plays Homelander. He he's he is phenomenal. He's he's the <laughs> the best live action comic book villain in history i think like he is so great at what he does with this character and you can't help but hate him but then also understand occasionally where he's coming from and why he feels this way and i know you're still because you still haven't watched any of the boys right i didn't i didn't touch it no yeah it is I think the second you jump into it, you're going to be hooked because it, it hits on a lot of beats that you really love and the content that, that you're a fan of. So I think whenever it is you finally jump in, you're going to have a great time. And yeah, season three, 
the 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 finale itself I wanted maybe a little bit more but overall that there was moments in season three as a whole that was the best out of anything they've done in the, the previous seasons prior and it's just phenomenal it's great it's realistic it's adult it's visceral it's shocking it's funny it's horrifying it's heartbreaking it's all of those emotions in a blender and you get the boys and yeah, I can't wait for season four because I just love this world. I love the characters and go check out all eight episodes for season three. I wish mm. maybe there was nine episodes because it would have, you know, I, I'm very greedy to, I want more. I want yeah, more. Yeah, you want all of it. And I just think storytelling for some of the characters, because there's such a large cast of characters, they would have been able to have a little bit more of a payoff for a couple of these characters that only got little minimal moments in the finale. But overall, great fantastic give me season four give me season five give me season 20 i don't care how long they run this thing for if they keep the you know eric kripke and his his show writers together with this cast it's just going to be great from now until forever so yeah 24 episodes now ready for consumption miss hart so jump on into the boys please and thank you i think i might there's been like little snippets that get shown in social media where i get um uh, the Watchmen vibes. Um, so I'm like, eh, maybe I should just give it a go. So mm. It's well worth your time. And in my humble opinion right now, it's better than The Watchmen. So, uh, Ooh, yeah. I, okay. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill, whether it be by choice or not, because these soups and their powers, they'll, they'll come for you. You can't trust these superheroes, but, uh, that's not what we've been doing. It's um, it's been a been a bit of a long discussion there as far as going through reviews and things. So let's uh, let's keep this energy going. We're not going to worry about housekeeping. Let's just jump right into this. This week's news headlines. And uh, the first quick bit of news. Just wanted to to sort of highlight this this nice piece here. And um, iconic Elden Ring player, let me solo her has received a congratula- uh, congratu- congratulatory sword from the game's publisher. The player became notorious in the Elden Ring community for assisting players with the game's infamously tricky Melania boss, defeating her over 1,000 times (laughs) at time of writing. In response, Bandai Namco sent the player a box sword complete with map scroll and wooden plaque with the message, congratulations on your great accomplishment. Let me solo her, aka client Tasubi, shared images on Twitter and said the following. I can still remember my first experience with the Soulsborne series and almost quitting because of Ludex Gundyr in Dark Souls 3. I'm glad I persisted and went on to enjoy the game because this community is one of the most passionate and dedicated um, that I've seen in a game and I'm proud to be a part of it. So it's nice to see Bandai show some love to let yeah. me solo her. Obviously, this character has now gone down in Elden Ring lore as as one of the goats. There's so much art. There's so much cosplay. There's a mod yeah. that's been made around let me solo her specifically where you can load that character in to assist you in, in boss mm. battles and things. And it's just cool to see them show the appreciation towards uh, Klein here and, and all his hard work because, my God, I've watched a few... YouTube videos and just watching Let Me Solo Her and how he deals with Melania, it is it is art. It is so impressive the way he can navigate this game. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes towards um, uh, the original idea 
for the game and having that multiplayer element of like encountering like heroes that have their own stories coming in to help you out and then just going off on their own adventure and disappearing and um i i really love that this this person was able to create a character that kind of was a was a pinnacle for the community to like obviously discuss like what it's like helping out the pv um well no not pvp well, i guess the pvp because you can sometimes fight people mm-hmm. but like just that 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 the sense of community and then having this this character that you know like became like lore um and just like an absolute badass figure um and experience I, I i thought it was great i love it when a community comes together and just adds another layer into a game and creating their own lore their own story amongst it so it's so good and just the the fact that he's defeated melania over a thousand times is insane mm. insane I don't know if I'll ever beat her once, let alone a thousand times. So uh, (laughs) hat tip to you, let me solo her, for your fantastic achievements. And also hat tip to Bandai for uh, showing them a bit of love. Like they didn't need to do that, but the fact that they did, that's that's a fantastic gesture. So uh, yeah, more of that. Let's see more gamers and developers or publishers going hand in hand like that and showing respect both ways. That's that's great. Uh, We're going to shift tone here and... um, yeah, deliver a bit of very sad news. So video game retailer GameStop, which is in the process of pivoting its business around crypto, has fired one of its top executives this week and laid off a number of staff, including members of Game Informer. According to Kotaku, the cuts appear to be mainly at GameStop's Grapevine, Texas office, though workers at the retailer's magazine Game Informer were also affected. This was just the latest round of staffing reduction at GameStop as the company's corporate headquarters had layoffs at the end of May of 2022 as well, impacting more than 100 people in a variety of positions. So this is horrible news. Uh, the, the, the great thing, well, not the great thing, but the good thing that I've seen already off the back of this is just the the sharing and um, highlighting of, of a lot of these people that are now being displaced and have no have no job at, at Game Informer. There's already people sharing and trying to connect them up with, with other companies to get them into new lines of work because mm. this came out of nowhere. I've seen so many stories yeah. on Twitter already where uh, there was there was one there and it was one of one of the one of like the, the lead editors it was his birthday and he was talking about how yes, great yeah. it is yeah and then all of a sudden it's like i've just been made um redundant i don't know what to do now and seeing this just change in the blink of an eye is terrifying and yeah i want to send out a bit of love to everybody there and hopefully you all find your feet and, and keep things going in a positive light but uh yeah this ain't good miss Hart. no it's it's definitely like we um had previously reported on um the GameStop going into crypto and then they, that wallet system, I believe, yep, that they yep. were considering. And um it seems like now that they've taken the steps to um essentially move their investments into one space, there was um a report, I can't remember where, and I feel bad for kind of saying it without referencing it, but someone suggested that while GameStop and all its um, employees related to it and those that did unfortunately lose their jobs, no one from their crypto sector w- was, were touched. Um, they're, they're, they're still going along. Um, and yeah, um, 
in regards to the people in Game Informer, uh, it was it, it was pretty horrible seeing them all um, kind of have a sudden reaction um, the, the day before, and then them having to come out the next day legally to say that they had been fired. Um, I believe three members were a part of it, um, which was um, Wesley, uh, John Carson, and I think. Jeff but either way if you see their names running around do what you can follow them support them and um you know do what you can because the gaming community while can be (laughs) rough sometimes sometimes you know the best way the best thing about us is um sometimes we can always come together and elevate and support those around us that you know do good stuff so keep an eye out do what you can and um yeah and check out Game Informer they make a lot of great content and they're obviously going to be running the same amount of content with less staff. Yeah, um, which, which is scary to think about because yeah. the content they're churning out, whether it be written video or podcast based, is is some of the best in the industry. And it's it's sad to see some of the voices that would be very familiar from a from a game informer perspective now being uh, yeah, uprooted and, and having to, to look at other options. So yeah, hopefully everyone finds their footing somewhere and can can stay in the industry and keep doing what they do best but uh yeah it's it's tough Corp- corporate america and just corporations in general they can be pretty ruthless sometimes and here's another example of that um yeah. quick quick bit of tone shift again uh nintendo and lego have decided to partner up once more this time on a large bowser set the 2807 piece design stars the king of the coopers standing upright on a stone platform between flaming stone plits Lego says the Mighty Bowser will be the largest Lego Mario adult set released and it's planning to be dropping or be made official on October the 1st of 2022 for the not so low low price of 270 US dollars. It's a big set and it's cool looking, but I can't keep doing this to myself. I've got two big Lego sets. I'm I'm probably sort of done at the moment, especially from a spatial perspective i just don't have the room but yeah i gotta say this does look cool would you would you buy this if if you if you're a lego fiend or you you had some space for it to be honest this is probably one of the lego releases in collaboration with any kind of media that i'm like you know what that looks cool and yeah maybe i would buy that that one looks that one looks pretty brilliant I just have never really like you. You've got to be selective with your collectibles, or else you know, if you if you buy purchase every little thing that you think is kind of cool, or you know, kind of this kind of that, you kind of fill your space with things you kind of care about, and the ones that are really cool, you start pushing to the side because you got no no space and no money to um, you know, <laughs> to, to handle it. Sorry, I feel um, very personally attacked right now. <laughs> well, this is like I don't know like I'm kind of reserved in my purchases and pickups and everything like that like um pop vinyls the little Funko pop things are like one of the things where I feel like a lot of people just kind of buy them willy-nilly and it drives me nuts especially also people keeping them in the box but you know whatever Mm. um so I only own a few of them and the ones that I own have been pretty pretty well purposed um most of them are alien and predator I also have a callus from destiny um, and that one's brilliant. And then just the other day, my husband bought me a Bane one. Um, with, Bane one uh, great like, too. Yeah, with a Mexicano um, kind of like style uh, luchador mask. And then <laughs> the just the I I haven't watched Wreck It Ralph two, but there was a bunny app game in it where a 
a bunny got fat stuffing pancakes into its mouth and he got me that just because, you know, it's, it's it was cute to me and it, why not? This this Bowser thing looks great. I think the design looks great. I think um, it, it has a good, um, like, it would have great presence in a space um, that it won't clash too too badly. Um, I also love what he's doing with his eyes. Yeah, sort of side like, iron. Yeah, he doesn't look evil. He looks like he's like he's kind of just caught like a burger, or like maybe he's like found like a like a like a Cheeto on the ground or something. He's Ooh, like, yep. oh, I, I could eat that. I reckon it'd be flaming hot too. He he loves oh, his yes. fire. So one hundred percent. But yeah, it's it's a cool piece, and because it is so big and chunky. You get mm. a lot of the the curvature of it. Like obviously, the bigger the Lego, the it's more curves, detailed, and the yeah. less sort of pointy and rigid a model can be. So he looks like Bowser. Like he looks like Lego Bowser, and that's a good thing. And yeah, yeah, it would have good presence on on a shelf. Uh, but at this stage, I'm gonna have to yield because I've got my two wow. my two set like my two um, sets. I've got my Jurassic Park set and I bought the Horizon set, and they're both up on a shelf. I'm just turning to look towards now, and there ain't no room up there for Bowser. Okay, you know what? That makes sense because you are very passionate about Jurassic Park and you're very passionate about Horizon. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. But it's when like people are like. Oh, they released some obscure Star Wars thing. I, I kind of like Star Wars. I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's what I mean. And so this one, I'm also looking at it as a presence thing, and I think it looks great. I think there is no question what it is. It looks great. So I, uh, maybe. Mm, so two seventy US. I'm assuming that's maybe going to be like three ninety nine to <laughs> four fifty something. Australian. Something. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a, a, lot console. Of, a, a lot of kashish, but it's a cool piece. But um, yeah, I, I need to settle down. Like we're, we're not obviously on video right now, but just over my shoulder here pointing there, like you can only see him partially, but I, I bought new, I bought 11 new custom hand-painted skateboard decks this past week. So um, I got a problem. Please help me. <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. Your room, like, I feel like every time we do a podcast, I do like like a little eye spy of like, what's the new thing in the room today? Like, um, and I did notice them pretty straight away. Um, yeah. So, and I see the one that's the anime one. That's oh, on the yeah. Other side. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's There's you. one over here too, which is yeah. uh, Sword Art Online uh, deck <laughs> there with, with Kirito uh, doing his thing. So yeah, I've, I've got a problem, but, uh, yeah, next time we record, um, the room's going to look a little different as far as the walls. I'm sort of stripping it down and, and, um, going to have less on there potentially, but I just don't know where to put all these skateboards now. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to like angle them room. up the stairs. I'm thinking like along the wall on the stairs, maybe that might work. So they sort of just, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I didn't think it through. They look awesome. Like Mark Zader on Instagram. Um, check him out. He, he does some custom art and he's, he does some good tattoo work in Sydney. Uh, yeah, that's who I grabbed them from. And yeah, they're all um, eight original Pokemon gym leaders and, and they're sort of star Pokemon. And then there's Ash and Gary on the decks as well. And they look great, but I'm like, did I need them? No, but did I want them at the time? You're damn right. So I've got them. And, and who knows, maybe Bowser will end up in my collection. Eventually, yeah, too. like watch watch this space. There'll be a Bowser ne- behind him in no time. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a cool set available on October one. I don't know if pre-orders are up across the globe yet, but they wouldn't be too far away. And those pre-orders with a lot of these limited sets sell out very quick. It was tough for me to get the the Horizon set up there. 
Uh, all right, jumping into the next little bit of news, we uh, got a new trailer dropped this week for the next installment from the Dark Pictures Anthology, and they were talking about, obviously, The Devil in Me, and they've confirmed that the launch window is this coming US autumn, which is exciting, so we don't have to wait too long to get our hands on this. The trailer also gave us an unnerving look at the game's saw-like story, which sees a group of filmmakers make their way to the replica of the murder house of H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. Obviously, things are not going to go smoothly for our group of intrepid youngins. Unlike previous entries in the Dark Pictures series, The Devil in Me does not appear to be going down the paranormal or super, uh, supernatural route. Rather, it looks to be rooted in a pretty grim but very believable reality akin to the aforementioned Saw and the Hostel series of films. So, I'm excited for The Devil in Me. I like the tone shift and making a little bit more realistic and jumping off the back of The Quarry, which was fantastic. I'm hoping Supermassive can continue that momentum back into The Devil in Me and I'm looking forward to watching all of these characters probably get killed and consumed in horrible ways and <laughs> it's going to be a great time later this year and the trailer the trailer got me got me very keen to give this a spin mm-hmm. i mean you know making references to some of my favorite horror movies mm-hmm. like i am still a sore apologist um, <laughs> and i love my hostel movies uh so you know saying that they kind of take a nod from take a nod from those kind of franchises is just like yeah sign me up um, I hope because we have seen that um the these um the these anthology titles haven't done as well. They haven't had such a success. I just really hope if these are the themes that they're going for that they can actually succeed as they did with the quarry. I um, hope so because I'm enjoying the quarry. Um, so yeah, I just hope I just hope it, it, they've it, they've done it well and they execute it well and. Yeah. I think so. Like like we both played House of Ashes, which was enjoyable, but the ones before that, like Man and Medan and things, um was a little bit uneven where House of Ashes was pretty cool. The quarry was a step above that again. So I'm hoping if uh the devil in me can be somewhere between those two titles, yeah. awesome. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. And to play it multiplayer will be cool. Yeah, the quarry where it was able to execute what I felt like was true horror. Mm-hmm. Um, House of Ashes had this more like action, action based horror kind of element to it. Like it was, it, it was very action. Mm, so. Was mature. It was a more darker the mummy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Anaxa the moon. No spoilers there at all. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, jumping into <laughs> the, the next bit of news here. Just titled this one, Gyar Me Hearties. And um, grab some wording here from Press Start. I'll sort of jump around this article a bit because there is a, a bit of good verbiage there. So if you want to read that in full, obviously press-start.com.au. Um, and it reads as follows. It often feels like there are a few games that occupy the weird space of showing up every few years only to slowly fade as development takes priority. One such game is Ubisoft's Skull and Bones. Originally touted as a fully realized pirate adventure built off the foundations found in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag's excellent sailing. It's taking on something of a different form since its inception, drawing drawing instead comparisons to Sea of Thieves and other live service games of our time. Ubisoft has detailed many of its gameplay mechanics this week, as well as the systems, the idea of solo and cooperative play, and post-launch support in the form of free content. 
So, uh, yeah, this week we got two separate trailers. We got a two and a bit minute cinematic trailer, and then they've also released a seven and a half minute or so gameplay trailer going through the the systems and the functionalities. And they've also confirmed that Skull and Bones is launching on November the 8th, um, and that is across our PC and console. And at its core, Skull and Bones is about becoming the most famous and uh, most infamous and feared pirate in the lands. After suffering from a shipwreck, your pirate is left with next to nothing, only the bare necessities to weather the harsh wildlife native to the many explorable islands. As you gather supplies, you'll take on jobs from the numerous pirate dens, gaining infamy and rewards, leading to deadlier jobs that yield even more infamy and supplies. As you grow in notoriety and complete contracts, you'll be able to craft even more gear for your pirate ship and crew as you build up a fleet to set sail across the oceans with. Ubisoft mentioned they're aiming for a dark and gritty tone to capture the dangerous and risky elements of Golden Age piracy. Ubisoft made sure to point out that naval combat is at the core of the experience for Skull and Bones. Self-described as fast-paced and visceral, Skull and Bones is looking to provide best-in-class ship combat alongside the ability to customize and deck out your ships as you see fit. Different ships will serve different purposes, um... But there is also a trade-off in the different sort of ship archetypes there. You'll be faster, Mm -hmm. less durable, less capacity, more capacity, vice versa. But you can also couple that with the ability to upgrade ships with countless weapons and armor types with their own strengths and weaknesses. There's more to just ship building though, right? As Skull and Bones places an emphasis on the morale of your ship's crew. If they aren't looked after and fed properly, they can and will mutiny against you. <laughs> Skull and Bones is first and foremost a living multiplayer game where players hop into a server, they can opt to engage with PvP or keep it strictly PvE. While everything can be completed solo, Ubisoft stressed that the game is intended to be played with friends. You can undertake contracts with your friends or other pirates you run into while exploring PvP with other players and engage in what Ubisoft calls dynamic events where players can join forces to take down large fleets, plunder strongholds, and more. There's also extreme weather events like storms and monster waves to contend with as you explore alongside the ever-present pirate hunting privateers. While PvP is usually a high-risk, high-reward engagement, if you do sink, not all is lost. A portion of your cargo will always be returned to your pirate den you respawn at and you can recover the rest of it if you're quick enough to get back to the site this is all in an effort to create a living breathing pirate world that's thrilling yet dangerous to explore to give your pirate a unique identity among the rest you can also customize them with outfits and accessories that you'll unlock as you move up the ranks additionally you can also customize how your ship looks allowing you to plunder in style as you engage in various pirate activities so the cinematic trailer looked pretty and it was like, okay, it's building hype. And then I think we're all like, but what's the game look like? This is coming out in four months. Two months, yeah. We haven't seen anything. And then they dropped this seven and a half minute video going through the world, what you can do. And, and everything I've just mentioned there is sort of showcased and highlighted. The game looks very pretty, but at its core, you're fighting other ships out in the sea. And then you can go back to these these pirate den hub worlds and that's where you can take control of your pirate and walk around and actually see your character in third person. But outside of that, it's like it reverts to sort of like first person on the ship as you're steering around and in, in, in engaging in combat. It's pretty... It looks interesting, but like Sea of Thieves does this all so, so, so well already with a dedicated, committed player base. And you can sort of mix and match not only the the sea combat with the exploration. 
So it feels like there's maybe a piece missing there with more of that third person or first person interactivity in combat, but it looks cool. It's nice to know that this game still exists and it's actually coming out. Yeah. It's coming out <laughs> yeah. in a few months' time. But I know your biggest thing is your fear or lack of comfort with open water. So are yep. you going to be partaking in this, even if it is just mostly controlling ships instead of being thrown into the water? Well, sadly, you sink. Um, and it seems like they have gone for, a, you know, a decently realistic graphical um, attempt. So Sea of Thieves is very cartoony. Um, and yeah, that game terrifies me every time I fall in that freaking ocean. I don't think I'm going to want to play this game because it's going to be that little bit too real for me. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, a part of me says that I should just try it just to try it. Um, but I don't know, like, like, mm, I, I just, it's, it's one of my fears and I just don't want to be, be met with it. But I don't know. I, I like what they're doing with it. I like that they've made some, you know, choices and differences that does separate it from Sea of Thieves. Um, but obviously there's also similarities as well. Um, whether they're going to try and snipe that fan base, it should be interesting to see. But the, the Sea of Thieves fan base seems pretty dedicated, pretty loyal. Um, mm -hmm. The community supports the game and the game supports the community over there. So it should be interesting to see what happens when this one releases. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Like typically with a lot of, a lot of these games, um, especially because it is like a, a live game where they're leaning heavily into, you can obviously you can do all this game solo, but they're fully investing into a multiplayer experience. So hopefully the player base starts strong and stays around because if that player base dips and then you're trying to join a lobby and, and connect with fellow budding pirates and if you're stuck there waiting for long times or if you have to connect to somebody across the other side of the world and there's rubber banding and lag and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it will really be detrimental. So I'm hoping that this experience is uh, smooth sailing to begin with and nice. uh, allows itself to become something because, yeah, this game got announced several years ago and, and I think even we've made fun of it on, on podcasts over the last six to 12 months about if it's still a thing, is yeah. it a meme, does it exist? And clearly it does exist and the crazy part is they've been working on it very hard behind the scenes at UB and it's coming out in November, which is um, big time, big time, mm. big time because um, we didn't actually put it in the news but this game is coming out at just about the exact same release date as God of War Ragnarok, which was finally announced this year, uh, or this King. week, sorry. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's going to be tough to stand beside that. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give it a look. But I want to I wanna sail the seas with, with me hearties. So hopefully you can face your fears and, and, and join us as we pillage and plunder and... <laughs> The um the resource gathering. There's there's some stuff going around where they show how you how you pull up to islands and like gather resources from from um trees and things and your ship pretty yeah. much like just shunts into into these palm trees to like get the wood and the coconuts and stuff and it's so ridiculous, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, God of War Ragnarok coming out um in early November, officially. That's exciting. I can't believe we didn't put that in the docket, but um yeah. The internet is finally happy because uh, poor old Santa Monica Studios were getting absolutely pelted 
with negativity due to their lack of confirmation as far as when Kratos and co are going to be returning to our gaming consoles and we don't have to wait long at all because it's yeah um the 9th of november got a war ragnarok coming out i cannot wait for that game of the year quite possibly at least for me i think uh because the the latest was phenomenal uh some other games that got announced and showcased this week i've just tired of these ones i'd buy these games for a dollar but they're going to be far more than a dollar because uh yeah games not be cheap these days and we're talking about a set of new games that are themed around 1980s action icons the terminator and robocop so both were announced this week during publisher nacon's latest release with robocop rogue city coming from take on developer behind the very up and down terminator resistance uh, Robocop Rogue City will be a first-person shooter, and the two new games looks and, and out of the two new games looks to be the one we're going to be seeing um, first. It's set for a release in June 2023 for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and PC. And yes, Robocop movie actor Peter Weller is indeed back to provide his voice as well as visual likeness. Moving on from there, we saw the briefest of teasers for the new Terminator game. And this one is being made by Rims Racing developer Nacon Studio Milan. The teaser gave very little away. It was sub 30 seconds, but uh, Nacon has said that it will be a survival game set in an open world between Judgment Day and the Resistance being led by John Connor. So for any, any 80s kids, any 80s action sci-fi fans, there was some fist bumps going around this week. The RoboCop Rogue City game actually looks kind of fun and I like that we've got it in first person. The violence is there from the movies. The tone is there from the movies. Graphically, it's it's not on the same level as far as some of the AAAs that are doing the rounds out there, but I yeah. still think it looked pretty good. Terminator, I've got nothing really to add because all we really saw was a T-800 rocked in through a door. Uh, yeah. But RoboCop Rogue City... I'm down to uh, try and try and bring the bring the law back to Detroit. You in, Miss Hart? Not really. I I oh. actually haven't watched <laughs> RoboCop. Well, to me, I, I think that's actually very like that's very telling. Is that like I, to me, it just looks like another action shooter. Um, so the appeal element would be for any of the people that grew up with the movie. I assume, mm-hmm. like trying to kind of live out their RoboCop fantasy. Yeah, because to me it just looked like every, uh, like a very average shooter, first person shooter, and um, I mean in a in a world full of bustling games out there, I just I don't know what that game would offer for me mm. to choose it over anything else. So that's justified. Like like yeah, unless you like have the that Terminator one hook. might you know, but yeah, no no nostalgia or no touchstone to your childhood. No. I get why the appeal wouldn't be there. But, yeah, we need to see more of this Terminator game because it it gave us nothing. It was very stark Mm. contrast compared to Robocop coming out in June. But, yeah, Nacon, obviously not only making uh, hardware and peripherals, but games as well. They're uh, doing a bit of everything and and a couple of 80s classics there making its way to PC and consoles in the near and potentially distant future in regards to Terminator, that's for sure. And the last bit of news title this one e3 is officially off life support and at time of writing is in a stable condition 
So uh, the ESA has confirmed that after a three-year hiatus, E3 will return to Los Angeles in the second week of June in 2023. The E3 in-person event will take place in partnership with ReadPop, the organizers behind conventions such as PAX, New York Comic Con, and Star Wars Celebration. The event will return as mostly an industry-focused event with publishers, developers, journalists, content creators, and more to be in attendance. It would also feature digital components as well as in-person consumer components. We are thrilled to bring back E3 as an in-person event with ReadPop, a global leader in producing pop culture events, said ESA president and CEO Stanley Pierre-Louis. The past three years have uh, the past three years have confirmed that E3 convenes our industry like no other event. Readpop brings with world uh, Readpop brings with world class talent and a clean understanding of the video game industry, which will serve to enhance the E3 experience for many years to come. Readpop president Lance Fensterman then added, "It is a tremendous honor and privilege to Readpop to take on the responsibility of bringing E3 back in 2023 with the support and endorsement of the ESA. We're going to build a world class event and serve the go- the global gaming industry in new and broader ways than we already do at Readpop through our portfolio of world leading events and websites. We don't have specific dates yet outside of that June period, and it'll be very interesting to see how many of the big publishers get behind E3." as we no doubt will try to become the juggernaut event that it once was. So Miss Hart, this is this is good news. Like it's reassuring to see someone like Readpop jump in and take the reins because they know how to do big conventions. Obviously we've we've talked very uh, negatively towards E3 justified i think over the last few years as far as the the mess that it's been and the data leaks and all the other drama that has been attached, attached to the esa and e3 so maybe with read pop getting involved it's going to be a better experience um i like that they've lent into focusing more on the industry side because yeah when i went there um, they did have some industry days which was great but then they also had the general population days which it's just madness because there's so many people and the queues are out the door around the corner up the street for everything and it can be a very uneven experience depending on the days you go but uh it's going to be very curious because this is going to fall directly into the same time frame that summer game fest is running in and it's going Mm -hmm. to be both held in los angeles and summer game fest is also going to be a physical event next year so uh we're gonna see the two tyrants going head to head in the same town probably in the same week so there might be developers or publishers picking and choosing a side as far as where they yeah. showcase so it's gonna be gonna be fun to watch this over the next uh 11 months as it takes shape yeah it's it's going to be interesting because uh since since the pandemic um uh, studios have found alternative ways to present their titles and present everything that they've been working on on a yearly basis now. Um, and I think a lot of them have found their groove. Uh, so whether they then decide to tack back on to E3 um, or, you know, keep on connecting themselves to like Summer Game Fest, um, I, I, I'll think it's interesting. Like, uh, E3 being a predominantly, I think originally it was only ever meant for industry mm-hmm. folk and then yep. it was only later on that they started opening it to gen pop. Um, 
I I still am a little bit iffy about in-person events, um, present presentations in front of live audiences and such. I think Jeff did amazing. I will still credit him to the overall design of the um, Summer Game Fest events and the stage presence that he he had um, in those like in that beautiful set, like uh, interactive interactive, just a visual visual set, I guess. Living um, so, set. Yeah. Um, so I'm a bit bummed knowing that everyone's going to try and, you know, have a live audience to these events again. And yeah, like uh, our studio is going to continue uh, presenting their own, ti- like their own titles and what they have to offer on their own. Or are they going to, you know, chop together a bunch of quick trailers for an, an E3 return? Like. Mm. I just don't. I just don't want us to experience game exhaustion uh, or game trailer exhaustion for certain titles because that's how I started to feel when we kind of get inundated with the game trailers and kind of get hit with the same titles over and over again. You just get fatigued and start to stop caring about things. So yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens in the next few months as this develops. Mm, like I, I like that Reed Popper involved. That that gives me confidence that it'll be a good event or a better event to at least e3s of of the last few years when when it was a thing several years ago Mm. now but yeah that whole godzilla vs kong situation that's going to happen here during uh, that sort of second week of of june with game fest going up against e3 is going to be fun i think ultimately it's going to come down to with a lot of these developers or publishers is how much is is a read pop or a game fest going to charge them to broadcast or have a booth at their respective shows? Because it's going to come True. down to that. So if if it's exuberant fees they're going to get get stung with to to have their stuff on display, they might go option A instead of option B, or maybe they'll do smaller booths on both. I don't know, but I'm with you, like. One of the good things that came out of COVID is this shift to digital content and digital showcases and conferences because you can watch it from the comfort of your own home. It's a more focused and um, controlled message then because mm, li- live polish. is great. But yeah, there's there's sometimes that polish that's missing and some of the awkwardness can be great to watch in a live environment too. But you know, you can lose messaging there or the game gets forgotten about and then the presenter becomes a meme because they stuffed up or got freaked out or whatever. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see this shift back to a live environment again next year. But uh, yeah, I just love that they're both in June. They're both in that second week period and it's going to be a slobber knocker. Like, uh, yeah, the, it's going to be a hell of a time. So uh, we'll see, see, hopefully, hopefully, Maybe at least one of us can get there in in the physical realm to to Game Fest or E three next year. So so we'll see. Maybe. Start start planning. I haven't been on a plane in a while. Maybe maybe I'll I'll come over and we can we can run a muck in in Los oh, yeah. Angeles and and watch this battle play out in person. But uh, get some popcorn. Oh, I love popcorn so much. I love popcorn so much. You know what else I love sometimes is tweets. Tweet of the week. This one. A little quick banger, just a you know a good a good good story here. This comes via way of at Four Guys Game, and the tweet reads: "We're in absolute disbelief. Fifty million players in two weeks, unbelievable! Thanks everyone." So obviously this wow. is on the back of Four Guys shifting to free to play, 
And it seems the world wanted those beans because 50 million players, that is like nearly one and a half times the entire population of Australia playing Fall Guys right now. So uh, shout out to the legends there. Uh, behind that and it's awesome to see because everyone loves this game and you know we've mm. spoken positive about it you've jumped into it in the last couple of weeks again yeah and you're having a good old time yeah it's a it's it's brilliant it's been interesting seeing all the changes and seeing all these new little little beans that have just joined into the four guys universe and um i'm, I'm happy like they're the four guys team have done a lot of work um behind the scenes and you know obviously in the initial start of releasing this title way back when when we saw that trailer and i was pretty hyped for it to you know obviously having more of a quiet period and when the the hype died down only to kind of make this decision with epic and then you know, create the title for you know free for everyone was it with mm. epic Did it, it was, was with it, epic, yeah. epic yeah epic acquired so. them and then um yeah they've just shifted to this free model and it's smart because yeah they'll still be getting those dollars out of that store now to get the skins mm. yeah exactly so i mean it's awesome I, you'd love to see a you know a, a small studio succeed so mm. yeah one, one of the biggest success stories of the last decade really mm. little game came mm. out of nowhere and just yeah everyone be crazy for those beans but if you wanted to take a break from uh, that free to play fall guys don't worry because we got you covered new releases and events uh the third episode of Yencast first will be dropping this week obviously uh search eight crit a-t-e-c-r-i-t on your podcast player of choice be sure to rate you subscribe that and um yeah send some feedback our way let me know what you're thinking about Yencast first so far. That is our yeah. Witcher roleplay one shot. It was a ton of fun to uh, get to get together with the guys and, and have a little bit of uh, Witcher themed madness there. So uh, episodes one and two are available right now, and three will be dropping in the coming days. So uh, give that a spin when you can. As far as TV, new shows dropping on the streamers in this coming week. We've got the Resident Evil show that we've talked about uh, oh, wow. with Lance Reddick starring. <laughs> that came up very quick, didn't it? Yeah. That is coming out this week on Netflix. Surprise. And season four of What We Do in the Shadows <sighs> is dropping as well. Awesome. Oh, I cannot wait for both of those. I've got certainly higher hopes for What We Do in the Shadows, but um, oh, yeah. I'm going to back my boy Lance and hopefully he delivers a great reimagining <laughs> of Albert Wesker. As far as things making its way to the scene in uh, a screen, sorry, in a film capacity, not really much coming to the cinemas this week, uh, but the Bob, uh, the Bob's Burgers movie is making its way to Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't gotten out and checked that out in the cinema, you can watch that in the home cinema there on Disney+, Plus this coming week as well. As far as games coming out this week you could have a look at uh, we've got time on frog island escape academy eyes in the dark the curious case of one victoria bloom rune factory 5 as dusk falls ending extinction is forever fallen angel into the breach and then stray all coming out within the next week or so obviously stray is going to be available day one through our uh, playstation plus as well so if you remember you can play stray included in that monthly subscription any of those games or movies or shows outside of what we do in the shadows going to be a good hook for you, Miss Hart? Um, I, well, I mean, what we do in the shadows is already on my list. I'm curious about the Resident Evil title that just apparently snuck up from nowhere that we, we knew about and then now it's out. But everyone's been talking about that Stray game. and I just, 
just not a cat person, so I just have no attachment to it whatsoever. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same. Like, like the reveal trailer looked great. The latest trailer with a bit of gameplay and the world looked okay, but it sort of excited me less. But I'm still going to give it a go. Going to see mm-hmm. what it's about. This little PlayStation exclusive. Obviously, it's on PC too. But um, yeah, I'll see what it's about. And um, yeah, that's that's THG two ninety one. Miss Hart, anything mm. else you wanted to shout out before we close this sucker down for another week? Yeah, I mean, we're episode 291. We're, we're creeping on that 300. Oh, um, yeah, curious if the listeners have anything that they would like us to, like to do to celebrate the 300. You guys are involved just as much as us. So if you have any ideas or if there's anything you want to see, throw them our way. Jump in the Discord. Hit us up on social media. Let us know. I think that's great. Yeah, let, let us know what we want to do because we haven't really thought of much or we haven't even talked about what we're going to do with it yet uh maybe we'll do a 300 the movie table read maybe we'll read some of the the 300 movie script (laughs) i don't know we will fight in the shade (laughs) i love that movie podcasts (laughs) we'll just like have some fun with it anyway yeah listeners please please share your thoughts where we're nine weeks or so out before episode 300 and we'd love some ideas on what we should do. So, uh, yeah, help us help us shape and frame the madness that will be episode 300 there of THG. But, uh, yeah, that madness. officially brings us to the end of THG episode 291. Thanks to each and every one of you for stopping on by. But until next time, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.